0: IT'S TIME FOR A CHANGE! Oh, yeah. I have so much anger, I feel like I've been raped! In the face! RACHED! At no point in your rambling were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. everybody welcome back to the element of surprise classic episode right now just podcast just audio only uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and checking this out for those of you who are my uh, faithful it's good to be back I'm glad I know you guys have missed me I know you've missed me I missed you for those of you new tuning in, well, I missed you too even though I don't know who you are but welcome um, okay so of course as usual before I get going there are some things we need to go over. That, of course, is where you can find us. The podcast in its audio form is available on podbean.com. That is EOS, mentally irregular, There's the Facebook page, www.facebook.com, backslash EOS, mentally irregular. And then there's the YouTube channel, where it's all the podcast episodes, as well as the videos that I do as well. And that is just the Element of Surprise podcast on YouTube or the Element of Surprise um, variety channel on YouTube. Um, either way, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. It has been a while and there are some things that have happened. Some things that we got to go over. First and foremost is uh, something very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and it involves a, uh, a young man, a 10-year-old man that I have done my goddamn best, my very fucking best, at raising over the last ten years. And uh, that would be my son, Anakin. And something that he has been doing recently that um, I just felt needed to be addressed publicly to all of you, my fair, fair listeners, my good friends, the degenerates and degenerates of the world. Um, That, of course, being that Anakin has been... uh, demanding of me to steal babies I don't know why I don't know where it comes from. I don't know what the urge for him to have me steal uh, babies from people is but he's been asking me that a lot like we'll be out shopping maybe if we're on a walk maybe just you know walking around somewhere where we're, we're at maybe we're at the Goodwill or something like that and he will see a mother or a couple with a with a newborn baby and this it's he's very specific that the babies are like between newborn brought home for the first time to like six months like once they start sitting up and crawling on their own he, he doesn't want that but as long as they are like you know unable to care for themselves and the parents have to be with them constantly he will go hey dad steal that baby and he won't he's not shy about it like well the Parent will be literally walking right past us, and he won't like tap me on the shoulder and be like, "Hey, dad, steal that baby." No, no, he's like, "Hey, dad, see that baby?" Yeah, I see the baby, Anakin. What? Steal that baby? No, I'm not gonna fucking steal the baby. Why do you want me to steal that? But that's a good looking baby. Steal it, you know. And he doesn't care. Like, he even went like one time we were uh, me and him were getting ice cream. There's a new ice cream joint uh, called what's it called? Is it called Barfs or something like that down in Export? Mervs? I don't remember. But it's right down there you know, uh, by the trail in Export. Me and him stopped down there to get so- some soft-serve cones. And this dad and mom with their newborn, couldn't have been more than like three months old, hanging off her baby Bjorn while they walked the trail, came down to get, you know, a refreshment. And he goes, Ooh, Dad, look at that baby. It's ugly. I'm like, Jesus Christ, kid, shut your mouth. He's like, steal it. I'm like, What? You just got done saying the baby was ugly. And the parents are fucking eyeballing me like I'm the worst person in the world. Like, I can control what's coming out of his fucking mouth. And they're like, they're like eyeballing me, giving me the fucking stink eye. He's like, yeah, that baby is not good looking. It is not a cute baby. Steal that fucking baby. I'm like, Jesus Christ, watch your mouth first off. Don't drop F-bombs. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Steal that goddamn baby. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's better. There we go. That's fucking better. But for some reason, he's obsessed with me stealing babies from people while making it painfully obvious to everybody within, I guess, a mile radius that he wants me to steal a baby. And he doesn't explain anything further. I'm like, okay, what are we, like, I talk to him. I'm like, what are we going to do with the baby when we get home? He's like, you just steal it. I'm like, okay, and then what? We bring the baby home. I've stolen the baby. We bring it home. And then what? He's like, it's just there. I'm like, it's going to need fed. It's going to need its diapers changed. It's going to need someone to take care of it. More than likely, the cops are going to be involved because I've just stolen a baby. He's like, no, no, none of that. You just bring it home and you just put it there. I'm like, what What do you mean there? There in our house? Yes. Where in our house? Anywhere. I don't care. Just steal that baby. And So that's his current thing. He just wants me to steal the baby. I don't know if he wants it because he just wants to stare at it, or if he just wants to see what's going to happen to the baby, or if he's just desperate for me to get arrested for abducting a child. But either way, he wants me to steal fucking babies. So I can have a brother. Oh, you hear that, ladies and gentlemen, in the background? He's like, so I can have a brother. His answer isn't, because he knows me and his mom are never going to have another kid. He knows that's not going to happen. So his answer is just abduct a child who's not old enough, And I'm I'm basing, I'm going on a whim here, and it can correct me if I'm wrong. You want me to just abduct a child at fucking my leisure, who's too young to remember its family so we can raise it, and it'll be your little brother. Yeah, also, if you're a parent, and if you're listening to this, give me your babies. Right now. Or more specifically, I guess, just watch out, because Chad's going to be out there ready to steal your babies and go straight to jail for many, many fucking years. Well, I guess Anakin just assumes they'll let him keep the baby. They're not going to give it back to the fucking uh, terrified and worried parents. I don't know. But yeah, he wants me to steal fucking babies. That's his big thing. You know, anytime we're out, anywhere we go. Oh, we're just, we're, we're walking around the grocery store. Hey, Dad, look, they got apples and bananas here. Yeah, and look at that person over there. Oh, Jesus Christ, here it comes. Steal that baby. No, no I'm not going to steal the baby. Okay, well, buy me this apple then. All right, yeah, that's good. Eat fruit. Fruit's good for you. So that's, that's the first thing I wanted to discuss tonight. And I'm glad I got a chance to get that one off my chest. That one's been bubbling under the skin for a while. I've been waiting to tell all of you guys about it. Uh, next one is we, we had to go down to Pittsburgh for a uh, dental appointment for him. Which we get down there and apparently the place that we were going had changed its fucking hours without calling and notifying us. So we get down there for no reason on the scheduled date. We're in Pittsburgh. We have to come all the way back. On the way back from Pittsburgh, I powerfully... In my guts, felt that I had to I had to take a shit. I had to take a very, very big shit, and so I'm just trying to power home. We make it all the way down onto 22, coming out of Monroeville, and there's a Sheets there by where Levin's Furniture is for you locals. For you those of you not, uh, just look up Levin's Furniture, Murraysville, and you'll see on the maps there's a sh- Murraysville, Pennsylvania. You'll see on the map there's a Sheets right there. That's the Sheets I'm talking about. So we get down to the light by that Sheets. And the light is taking fucking forever. And my jeep vibrates when it's driving, when it's not in motion. So we're sitting there, and it's vibrating, and the seat is just vibrating right up on my asshole. It felt like someone took their fingers and was just vibrating, like quickly vibrating the fingers against my the my asshole, and the the shit wanted to come out. It, it it's like it's like oh that means that's knock knock at the door. Who's there? That's right, me. The shit. I'm coming out. So I fucking, the light turns green. I whip into the fucking parking lot, jump out of the car. I fucking, you know, cowboy walk my way into the bathroom, and I take my shit. And it felt fucking awesome. It was great. It was one of the best, it's in the top ten best shits I've ever taken. The relief I felt from that shit. But as I'm sitting there in sheets, there was a person in the stall next to me, and they flushed their toilet, and it occurred to me that that's what we do after we shit. We take wadded up pieces of paper, and we grind them against the, the ass, our assholes to clean up the remnants, and then we flush them down a toilet. And it just sucks them down there with the water and stuff, and that's where it goes. And it gave me this idea that maybe there should be some sort of like genetically created goblin creature that we can just put in all toilets, and it could be a poop goblin, and when you're done shitting, it could be like... <makes noise> And it can come up, and it can like you know lick the shit off the you know the remaining shit chunks and chips off of your asshole, and you know it would eat the shit that you're shitting in there, but it wouldn't like be like sucking it out of your butt. It would just be like you know letting the turds drop into its mouth. And, and like while you're shitting, you can just hear mmm, mmm, oh that's great, mmm fucking yes, mmm, and then when you're done, you'd be like, okay, I'm done. And it would be like, oh, give me that, give me, no, you can't be done, give me, no, give me that poop, no, 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 and it would come up and it would lick your asshole clean, and then you'd be clean. And then the toilet paper, you know, you wouldn't have toilet paper anymore, you just have, like, you know those little air jets that you dry your hands with, something like that, and you just bend over and just, and it would, like, dry off your ass for you. So, I, I'm, I'm 100% on board the, uh, the poop goblin wagon, and, uh, I want to know if anybody has any access and you guys can let me know through the Facebook page or in any, whenever this uh, episode's on YouTube, go to the YouTube and in the comments section, let me know if you guys have access or know anybody who's like into like genetics or science or anything who could help me uh, genetically create a poop goblin um, for at least my toilet. I, I think we could all use them, but it's, you know, I think that would be the way to go. But yeah, so I, I want a poop goblin. Uh, To help me clean my ass. And it's not, I I want to be clear here, it's not a sexual thing. Like, I'm not into, like, you know, someone licking my asshole clean or anything like that. I just think the concept of a poop goblin would help us all out, and we'd all save on toilet paper to save more trees. You know, it's environmental. Um, Speaking of toilet bowls and shitting, I was at work in the men's room, and there was a guy in the stall next to me. He was already in there when I got in there. I get in my stall and I sit down and I'm doing my business, you know, you know, Sans poop goblin of course. And I just hear these noises from the stall next to me of a man who can do only what I can only describe as making toilet bowl soup. So the sounds of his shitting, like the noises he was making physically was just like Meanwhile, this is the sound of what was going on in the toilet. This here. And then you combine the two, and it's just like. Like that. And this went on, and I'm not exaggerating, for 15 fucking minutes. I'm like, that man is dead. He is dead now. He is literally shot <laughs> every fucking organ in his body from his esophagus all the way down to his fucking anus. They're, they're all gone. Kidneys, um, fucking that little appendix thing, all those gone. Lungs, heart, all of it. His bones are in there somehow. And then a witch is just going to come and, like, use her broom to stir it all up, and it's toilet bowl soup. And that's, that's what happened in the men's room at Walmart. And I'm sitting there in the stall next to it, and I am sweating because I'm biting my lip so hard trying not to laugh like a fucking 12-year-old at this. And just it just kept getting worse. And, like, every time I thought it was done, he'd be like, and then, like, you know, splash, kerplunk. Like, you know, huge fart. And then I'm like, okay, he, I think to myself, I'm like, he's he's got to be done now. He's got to be done. And then he just, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And then it just starts all over again. 15 fucking minutes of this. I wish I had recorded it. I wish I had had the foresight To know that's what was going on. Because I would have recorded it on my phone and then you guys listen to that. That would be the whole episode. I'd just be like, here's 15 minutes of a man making toilet bowl soup. While I fucking, you know, do some shit around my house. Enjoy. But that, I have to tell you the story. I have to set the stage for you. But that's what was happening. Uh, I'm not going to lie. A lot of this episode has to deal with farts and shit and stuff. So, you know, it's good to be back. Uh, Anyway, leading on to the next concept uh this is a real concept this is something that it's been discussed around my hu- my house leading back to uh my son when keeping on the concept of shits and farts um just, me and my uh, fiance were in bed the other night and we were talking about uh you know how our son if he had an autobiography it could be called like 10,000 farts and instead of like you know the disturbed album 10,000 fists in the air uh his would be called 10,000 farts or uh you know like that and we were really discussing it, and we just, you know, as many conversations do, one thing led to another, and we decided that he is a, uh, building a fart jar connoisseur, so if you bring him a fart in a jar, which, uh, I'd like to point out at this point in time, Grimace, uh, my good friend Ryan McCormick did a whole episode of his podcast, A Fireside Chat, available on Libsyn.com, um, where he talked about, uh, people selling their farts online and making a shitload of money, which A, I don't know why we're not all doing this. And B, fucking great episode. I highly recommend you go check it out. Well dad, you get women to fart on your dick. No, I don't. No one farts on my dick. Um anyway. No I don't. No I don't that's you we're getting off subject here. Anyway, I don't let I don't pay women to fart on my dick. That's not true. Uh but anyway, we decided about our son that if you bring him a fart in a jar and then you open it, he can Like, you know the way people go to wine tastings and they take a little sip of wine and they, like, slush it around in their mouth? They're like, mm, Mm mm-hmm. Hint of cherry, mahogany base, mm, yes. And they'll tell you what wine it is and what year it was bottled and stuff, and they're very good at that. My son will do the same thing with with jars of farts. You bring him a, a fart jar with a cork in it, he'll take the cork out, he'll put it up under his nose, he'll be like, ah, Caucasian male, roughly 48 years old, hint of cheese from Wisconsin oh yes this is Gary all this is Gary Oldman from uh B- Green Bay Wisconsin he's a fan of the uh Green Bay Packers and if you you know you can do this you could be like okay how about this one and like an old-timey jar You'd be like oh mm-hmm. yes it smells of Washington Yes. Oh, oh, this is clearly the last fart that escaped Abraham Lincoln's behind before he was assassinated. Yes, yes, it is. Oh, okay, yes, bring me more farts. And he will be a fart jar connoisseur, and he will gather other people who like to sniff farts, and they can argue over what year the farts were bottled and stuff like that, and it'll be a whole thing. Um. Maybe that's why he wants me to steal babies. Babies are known for farting all the time and taking powerful shits, so he could be like, Oh, yes, this baby, uh... It smells like the baby's diaper needs changed. The baby doesn't need its diaper changed. It hasn't shit. And then like two minutes later, it would shit because he knows what's coming because he's a fart jar carnosaur. Anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Um, so there was a lady in Walmart the other day, and she had on a Donnie Iris t-shirt. And, you know, I, I know anyone from the Pittsburgh region is like, oh, yeah, Donnie Iris and, you know, all that. Um, I didn't know... And I'm being completely honest here. I did not know Donny Iris was a musician. I didn't know who Donny Iris was. I honestly I thought he was a cryptid, like you know how like there's the chupacabra or like the Jersey Devil or the Mothman and shit like that. I thought Donny Iris was Pittsburgh's cryptid, and he was kind of like like a like a person with like a giant eyeball for a for a head, and you know hence like the iris, the iris of his. And it's like, oh yeah, you gotta watch out in Pittsburgh, or else Donny Iris will come out out of the sewer and get you. And I thought he was like our cryptid. I didn't know he was a real person, and I felt really, really ridiculous uh, afterward. But then I'm like, no, he should be a cryptid. So I'm convinced that uh, the you know Donny Iris is just, he's just a cryptid who's uh, has a wonderful singing voice, apparently, and you know people will go to museum uh, will go to museums. Jesus. Will go to uh, listen to him perform his music for them, and then uh, anybody that doesn't stick around for his encores, he's waiting out in the parking lot, like in like a sewer, or, like behind a truck or something, to go get them. He's encrypted. It's like, oh yeah, I caught a glimpse of the Donny Iris out there. I don't know. That gag was funnier in my head. I apologize. I, I'm sorry, everyone. That was stupid. Um, I can tell you this though, and this is true, um, and not many people know this about me is that up until I was three years old, I had a uh, what's known as a dwarf- d- dwarfed conjoined twin. And that's where you have a conjoined twin who's, like, attached to a part of your body, but they're they're small and, like, deformed and shit like that. They're fully aw- alive. They're not dead. They're alive and they're sentient, but they're just, like, a really deformed, almost like a tumor on the side of you. But they're alive and a pair of stuff. And... Yeah, a lot like Quato from uh, Total Recall, like that. But only just, you know, real and on you. And up until I was three, I had one um, attached to me that my mother had named Joel. And, um, you know, so it was me and Joel. And then when I, we were three, uh, you know, she took us to the doctor. The doctor did a bunch of uh, tests and stuff on us. And it was determined that they could remove Joel without killing him. Um, or without har- harming me. And he was attached to my left side uh, just... Like, above where, like, if you feel on your left side, gentlemen, you'll feel like there's one rib, two rib, three ribs. He was, like, right where the third rib was, like, on my left side, under my arm, going, like, more around onto my back. And so, you know, Joel, we had Joel removed when I was three. And he was still alive and everything like that. And he had fully functional, albeit, like, malformed organs and stuff. And they thought that he wasn't going to live very much longer. But we brought him home. And, uh, you know, my mom took care of him. She uh, fed him... uh, eggplant parmesan and used diapers and Kept him in like a little cubby that's up at the top of the stairs Like a little closet cubby that she kept blankets and stuff in so you know he had blankets It was soft. He'd be warm uh, But you know then um, she met my stepdad and my younger brothers were born. And she didn't tell them about Joel She didn't want them to know about Joel You know so they would hear noises and everything and they but my parents would always just she told my stepdad about Joel But she didn't tell my little brother about Joel because he heard them So instead they just said the house was haunted which is fucked up because that's even more scary in my opinion, but I always knew it was Joel, you know, and like, you know, mom didn't want me hanging out with Joel or letting my brothers know about Joel, um, you know, because basically he was just like a tiny malformed lump person uh, that she kept hidden away in the closet. He was her shame. Um, And, you know, so around the time I turned 11, uh, Joel actually got out of his little cubby. And you know, he had helped. I would see him, um, books and stuff like that, and tell him stories through the through the door uh, when I was when I could. So that way, he like knew how to like you know, he knew the basic basic little bits of speech, and you know, like he could talk a little bit, and you know, he he knew who his brother was and stuff like that. And you know, this is all very sad, and it's bringing up a lot of old emotions and everything. So I apologize, but um, you know, so. Around when we were 11, um, I guess somebody forgot to like fully lock and close up the uh, the cubby entirely. And so Joel got out. And uh, what my mom also kept in the cubby was her sewing equipment. And he had gotten that, and he climbed up onto the bed in the middle of the night, and he tried to stitch us back together. He, he tried to sew himself back onto me. Uh, but then I woke up, and I started... Panicking and my mom comes screaming in the room chat. Chad, what's the matter? What's the matter? I'm like Joel get out Joel get out He he tried to he tried to put us back together and she's like what I'm like he tried to put us back together and She saw the needle and the stuff like that, but she didn't see Joel and I wasn't paying attention because I was 11 I was scared out of you know scared shitless I I, was, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but apparently he had gotten out of the window and uh, you know, we lived in like this little apartment so the window wasn't too high up. He could like, you know, easily drop down into the shrubbery, and, and we have woods behind our house. And he made his way off into the woods. And so my mom uh, made me get up in my pajamas, and she gave me uh, a tack hammer, like a ball-peen tack hammer. And she said, and, and a flashlight. One of those old flashlights that had that giant fucking um, battery in, on the inside. She gave me one of those, and she gave me a ball-peen hammer. And she said, Chad, you have to go get Joel. And I said, Mom, it's dark outside. Um, I'm scared I of the woods. I don't want to go get Joel. She's like, he's your brother. You have to do this. You have to go get him. And so I took the flashlight and the hammer, and um, I said, what, would, what do I do with the hammer when I catch him? And she said, you just hit him with the hammer until he stops moving and then you bring them home. And so I had to go out into the woods in the middle of the night with a flashlight and a, and a tack hammer looking for my uh, little deformed twin brother, Joel. And I I, it, it, I remember it taking a while and having to be out in the woods in the dark. And you know, it was scary. There were a lot of sounds um, I, I didn't like. I didn't know what they were, you know, it's, like, it was like a scene from a horror movie, you know, like, I'm sitting there in the dark, 11 years old with a flashlight, you know, and it's cold outside, because it was, like, the beginning of September, or the end of September, and, um, you know, I, so I, it, took a, it took a while, took a few hours, but I, I did find Joel, I found him, he had, uh, like, about a mile into the woods, there was this little shack uh, behind our behind our apartment, and he had made his way there, and he was um, struggling to get the little, like, makeshift door to the shack open. And I tried talking to him, but he was scared, and he didn't know what to do. And, you know, like I just, I remember I just sat down with him. I just sat down with Joel, and I'm like, Joel, mom wants me to hit you with this hammer. And he just, I remember he looked up at me with his one good eye. Because his other eye was, like, all glazed over and kind of, like, you know, like... Like, he had like a slanty, slanty, like malformed eye. And, um, you know, with his little, like, crooked mouth. And he looked up at me. And I'm like, Mom wants you, me to hit you with this hammer because you got out. And he's like, I remember he was like, No. And I'm like, I, I don't want to. And, you know, we just sat there and we cried. Me and Joel just sat there and cried. And then, you know, I just hugged him really tight. And then I just, I took. I took the hammer and I, I, I just started hitting him like I was just crying and screaming into the night like just tears flowing all over my face and snot and all the whole nine yards. I just kept hitting him with the fucking hammer and you know he was like squealing and stuff making these like noises the you know these horrible sounds and I just kept hitting him with the fucking hammer until, um, until we stopped moving and then I, I you know I picked him up. And I I brought him back home, and I was crying, and my eyes were all red. And I just, you know, my mom was waiting for me, like, out back by the sliding glass door. And she's like, did you get him? I'm like, I I got him. And, you know, and she's like, "Now you go to your room. You did good. Go to your room. And, you know, she's like, where's the hammer? I'm like, I left it in the woods. I didn't bring the hammer back. Um, I did bring the flashlight because I needed to see how to get us back. And I just, you know, I gave her Joel. And she wrapped him in in one of the blankets from the cubby and I went up to my bedroom and then the next day I came down and she sent me off to school Uh, I think I was like in maybe fourth or fifth grade I think I was in fifth grade and I came home from school that day and she's like okay everybody and there's a big she had a big pot in the kitchen. It was like, you know, bubbling. You could smell it. It smelled really good. And it was like some sort of soup or stew. And, you know, she's like, all right, everybody, here's dinner. And she, there's the stew pot. And she just scoops us all some stew. And it was fucking delicious. It was like, you know, like some of the most tender meat I'd ever eaten. And it had like, you know, veggies in there and like a really nice broth. And, um, you know, just delicious. And, you know, like, I, you know, stomach's full. Everyone went to, like, afterward. I remember my stepdad being like, well, hon, that was one of the best dinners you ever made. What was that? And she goes, secret recipe. And my brothers are like, that was really good, mom. And I was just like, man, that was good. And then I just, I looked at her and she just gave me this look, just like, you know what this is. And uh, afterward after everybody you know my stepdad went back into his office and my brothers went up to their rooms to play video games and she came up to me and she's like that was Joel stew that that was Joel and she showed me the pot that was in the kitchen and inside like she had just boiled and roast like boiled him until the meat just fell right off the bone and you know I was sad but uh, you know to this day I remember he was fucking delicious Joel was, like, the best soup I ever ate. Conjoined, deformed, conjoined twin soup is fucking wonderful. So, if anybody out there has a uh, conjoined twin of their own, I highly recommend having it surgically removed and then uh, boiling it into a stew. Because you're never going to have better eats. I mean, hopefully you're a little bit more um, adult than I am. So, that way you don't have to, like, you know, beat them to death with a hammer. Um... Whenever you're 11 and be psychologically traumatized for the rest of your life, but you know, the the ends justify definitely justified the means. Uh, you know, Joel was delicious. I highly recommend conjoined twin uh, soup to anybody out there. And uh, you know, pass that pass that on. Make sure that like if you see somebody and they've got like a, like a little globule hanging like under their under their shirt, would be like, hey, is that a tumor or is that a conjoined twin? They'd be like, what conjoined twin? I don't know what you're talking about. I'd be like, cut him off and eat him. He's good eats. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to eat your conjoined twins. Um, okay. All right, moving on from that. I had asked you listeners on Facebook about two weeks ago, I said, ask me a question. And you did not disappoint. So now I'm going to answer your questions. This first question comes from Mike D. And he, Mike asks, what percentage of morbidly obese women wipe back to front. Well, Mike, I could have taken the easy road here. I could have just Googled it. But I thought, no, no, that's not the best way to answer the question. So what I did is I just started observing people in Walmart. And like, you know, I actually happen to have to work right by where the restrooms in the back are, back in electronics. So I pay attention to the morbidly obese women that go in and out. And I can tell by the wa- number of them that walk out and they're like cattle- cowboy walking versus the ones that come out and they're like, you know, just like, kind of like jambling and letting their weight take them where they, where, like in the direction of wherever their weight's going. The ones that are cowboy walking are the ones that wipe front to back. And I did the math. I did the math for you. Out of 97 morbidly obese women A staggering 72 came out on the cowboy walk, meaning they wiped front to back. So let's do the math right now. 97 divided by 72 equals, or I'm sorry, not divided by, I don't know math. I'm a dumb-dumb. Times 72 is 6,984, and that's your answer. 6,984% of morbidly obese women wipe front to back. So thank you for that question, Mike. This next question comes from an old coworker and friend, Haley Shikoski, Shikoski, Haley. It comes from Haley. What's a good method to clean the stuck off grease off my glass baking dish? Well, Haley, to that question, I tell you this why are you baking in a glass baking dish with grease it's always been my preferred method to use a steel pot or pan to collect and then boil your uh, your dinners such as was done with my uh, Siamese my, my conjoined Siamese twin brother Joel uh, that said The best way to clean them off, um, you know, I mean, aside from the go-to of Dawn dish soap, which I I think could uh, clean the pregnancy out of a pregnant woman, I would recommend using Brillo pads as well as the human tongue. Now a cat's tongue is going to be more sandpapery and probably do a little bit better job, but I don't know what kind of damage that's going to do to the glass baking dish. So I recommend that once you got most of the shit out there with hot water and soap, use your tongue to just polish it off and then give it a final rinse. That should be able to get most of the grease off of the glass baking dish. And there is your answer. So thank you Haley for that question. And, um, you know, I hope that answers, uh, satisfied your needs. Uh, The next question comes from Hannah Jupina. Hannah asks, why is your cat so damn cute? Um, Thank you for the question, Hannah. Uh, First up, I say, which one? Which cat? Because there is Baus and there is Mimi, and they are both incredibly cute. Uh, For the sake of the question, I'm going to lean towards Baus on account of his uh, in uh, dying black hole star of a face and said that Vowse is so damn cute on account of his face is a dying star that collapsing that is in the process of collapsing in on itself. Aside from that, it's the sounds he makes. Now, if you're referring to Mimi, oh, that's because she's a shadow with these giant r- yellow globes. She's got globes. She can hide anywhere because she's got these big yellow globes that just stare at you. And Vowse has got a collapsing in uh, dying star of a face. So that is why they are cute. The more important question It's not why are they so cute, but how are they real? Because things that adorable shouldn't be allowed to exist on their own. Um, But thank you very much, Hannah, for the question. I hope you enjoyed your answer. Uh, This next question comes from Mr. Leaf Hustleby, and he asked me, did gas station Chris, he said Carl, but it was Chris, Put that baby in the microwave. Okay, so to answer this question, for those of you who haven't watched it, I recommend going to the YouTube channel and checking out uh, the video I made called um, Paint Thinner in the Microwave. So that way you have uh, your backstory. Uh, And my answer to you, Leaf, is yes. Chris did put that baby in the microwave. That's a fucking guarantee. If he was left alone with that baby for more than five seconds, that baby went straight into the microwave. Probably with more paint thinner. He probably covered the baby in paint thinner and put it in the microwave. That, that's, that's the answer. That's an absolute fucking promise. That said, I'd rather Chris put a baby in a microwave with covered in paint thinner than bring it near me, which is when my son would tell me to fucking steal it. So, yeah, put the baby in the microwave. Uh, this next question comes from Mr. Derek Cooper. Derek asks, what rhymes with orange? Uh, lots of things, Derek. Bornge, smorange, norange, clorange, Florange. splorange. Not real. The, I don't care if they're not real. He didn't ask for real words. He just said what rhymes with it. Um, clorange. Did I say clorange? Uh, ah, plorange. Lots of things rhyme with orange. Pretty much, you just take the word orange and you put any other sound in front of it, and it will rhyme with orange. It's not a cheap answer. It's a good answer. Um, Moving on. And thank you for the question, Derek. Moving on, Mr. William Sines, uh, EOS correspondent William Sines, Billy on the Streets, asks, why don't we have defenestration Olympics? And I'm not going to lie, Bill, I had to look this up. I had to look up what defenestration was. And according to the definition in Webster's Dictionary, um, it is the art of being thrown out of a building you know like if you look back at the old like western movies somebody gets thrown out of the bar and it's literally people picking them up and launching them out and that's what defenestration is um and he asked why don't we have defenestrate defenestration olympics and that's a great question i believe we should um we could judge it by distance we could have you know small guys throwing hefty guys. We could have hefty guys throwing small guys. We could get a hefty guys throwing hefty guys. Judge it by uh, weight, distance, teams. We could get a bunch of American people to throw American people. We could get a bunch of Russian people to throw Russian people. We could get a bunch of Russian people to throw um, American people, and so on and so forth around the world. I think this is a fantastic idea, Bill, and I want to talk to you more personally more um, ab- about it, about fleshing this idea out and seeing where we can go with this, and who, what channels do we need to go through, and who do we need to talk to, to make this a thing, to make defenestration Olympics a, a, a real thing, and just have it going on. Um, so I don't they, to answer your question. I don't know why we don't have defenestration Olympics, but we absolutely fucking should. Um, thank you, Bill, for the question. Moving on. This next question comes from Josh Schmidt, old friend of mine from high school, good old Schmidtler himself, in the form of a uh, meme or a uh, gif. And it's just Michael Scott saying, why are you the way that you are? That's a goddamn good question, Josh. I still don't know. Many people have asked that. Scientists are currently studying that as we speak. And there's still no concrete answer. The only thing that I can say is that There's only one of me in this world. And when it comes to being the way I am, I am the goddamn best at being the way I am. Anybody, nobody rather, can hold a fucking candle to me on on their best day, on my worst day, at being the way I am myself, because that's who I am. You know, whether it's on this microphone, uh... On this podcast, on video, on YouTube, or just out in public trying not to steal children from my son, nobody can hold a fucking candle to me when it comes to being the way that I am. And nor should they, because they're the way they are. You know, there's only one of me. The only person that came close to being, you know, a carbon copy of me was Joel. And, you know, we ate him. So, um, yeah, uh, there's no concrete answer for you, Josh. But I can say that I'm the absolute fucking best at being, um, you know, the way I am. I'm the best in the world at it. Um, Brett, as the great Bret Hart said, uh, best there is, best there was, and best there ever will be at just me being the way that I am. Thank you for the question. Uh, Michaela Schutz, my sister-in-law, asks me the next question. It says, how many holes does a straw have? And uh, the answer to that question, Michaela is one. It is just one hole. It is a cylinder with just one hole. People will argue this and say it's got a top hole and a bottom hole, but that's not necessarily true because it's got got an entrance and an exit. But, you know, let's say, oh, well, the entrance hole is one hole and the exit hole is one hole. And to that I say go fuck yourself with a straw. Go stick a straw up the hole of your dick. How about that? Fuck you. It's got one hole. It's got one hole that you just put into a beverage... And you drink through. Like, I'm about to with this straw that only has one hole. Mmm, that's delicious. But yeah, no, a straw only has one hole. There's no other hole. One hole. Thank you for the question. Uh, She also asked the next question. uh, Are there more legs or eyes in the world? Uh, to that, Michaela, my, my only answer is short and sweet. And I say there's definitely going to be less of both if I ever get my hands on an axe legally. Uh, that said, I believe there's, there's, there's uh, more eyes in the world because it's a lot harder to get at someone's face than it is to get at their limbs. So, um, yeah, you know, more people, I think, will have lost limbs than people have lost eyes. So there are definitely more eyes in the world than legs. Uh, thank you again for both those questions, Michaela, and I hope you enjoyed the answer. Uh, finally, this last question comes to me from Lisa Lamberti Antelik. and she asks, what ever happened to Agent Joe? Well, this story is going to need a little bit of a backstory. i got to catch everybody up. So back in the day... I used to write these stories, and this kind of goes along with Josh's question of why are you the way that you are. Nobody does. I used to write these stories that were, um, by today's standards, you you just couldn't do. You can't do Injun Joe in 2022. It's way, way too fucking offensive. Way, like, every goddamn sentence would just be publicly burned. And then the author, i.e. myself, would be fucking, you know, drawn and quartered after he was covered in hot tar. But Injun Joe was a character in these stories I used to write back in high school. And they were the chronicles of Injun Joe. And it would always start with Injun Joe in his uh, palatial uh, double-wide trailer waking up and uh, doing some sort of morning routine, uh, which involved just, you know, crazy masturbation. Then, um, you know, a, a, a zany character would show up, be it uh, moopy Parplanger. Or uh, sugar packet plate cheeseburger, who was just a dog whose name was sugar packet plate cheeseburger, uh, all one word. Or uh, officer Philip Vabble, uh, maybe belly cat. Some would show up, which would spur the events of the story, which would then be contained in roughly two to three pages of just sheer, sheer obscenities and just the most non-like. If there is a standard for politically correctness, Injun Joe stories were the opposite of that standard. If you can think of something that might offend somebody, I want you to take that image in your head. Think of something that might offend somebody. Take that image in your head. Multiply it by a hundred. Drag it out for a good five minutes. That's like one paragraph of an Injun Joe story. Uh, One recurring theme in them was that Triple H, the WWF uh, wrestler, uh, now, you know, head of talent acquisition and, um, you know, would show up. And he was uh, set on giving Injun Joe the pedigree, (coughs) but Joe would always get out of it some way. Uh, be it by, like, you know, some other super st- wrestling superstar showing up or maybe a corkboard troll coming in and raping Triple H in the face or something like that, would always, Joe would get out of it. But Triple H was never able to pedigree Joe. Uh, but he did ultimately pedigree pretty much everybody else uh, in the stories besides uh, Joe himself. So, yeah, these stories were craziness. If I can get my hands on some... If I can find some of the old Engine Joe stories I've written, I will read them on this podcast, and then uh, whatever listener base that I have will either find them fucking hilarious or just be done with me altogether. It's going to weed out the people that, you know, aren't real fans. I'll put it that way. Um, but, yeah, to answer the question, uh, Aunt Lisa, it, uh, Engine Joe could not work in 2022. So, unfortunately uh, for... <laughs> The safety of the world. He had to be uh, forcibly retired. But I might bring him out. I might bring him back out. I might write a new Injun Joe story. And God help us all if we do. Because I have got cannon fodder for the next Injun Joe Chronicles, should they ever exist. Uh, That said, focus is the podcast and the Variety channel right now. But I do appreciate the question. Uh, Maybe Injun Joe will uh, surface his uh, politically incorrect head. Native American head again. Maybe he won't. You know, only time will tell. Uh, That said, I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in and listening to this episode. This was fun. It's good to be back. Uh, It's good to just do a regular old podcast again. That said, don't forget about the YouTube channel because this episode will be up there as well as all the videos and stuff that I'll be doing. Uh, If you like the videos and you like this podcast and you like the content that I provide you, uh, you know, A, thank you, and B, just, you know, it's a little subscription. Pass it on to a friend I think might like it. Have them subscribe. The more subscribers that we get, the more I can do this more often. And, uh, of course, if you subscribe, all this content comes right to you for free. You don't pay anything. It just takes a click. Click of a mouse. And, you know, pass it on. Uh, That said, if you did like this as well, I always encourage you to check out a Fireside Chat hosted by my very good friend, Ryan McCormick. That's available on Libsyn.com. Check out the McSauce Comic Book Podcast, hosted by Ian, Paul, and Matt over on Podomatic. Check out Case in Point, hosted by Justin Case on Audio Boom as well. I thank you all for listening, and be good to each other. Yeah, you thought I wasn't gonna say it, right? You're like, wait, but no, yeah. Cue the fucking bear music.